0: Welcome back to The Imposterous. The Imposterous is normally hosted by Graham Drew and Michael Knox, two rather insecure creative frauds who explore the motivating and sometimes debilitating experiences we all have with imposter syndrome. But this episode is hosted by me, Shannon Crow, as The Imposterous presents Saw It, Am It. Can you hear me? Hello. Hello. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, good. You look like a ray of sunshine today. A little bit of yellow just to spice the morning up. In Singapore? Yes, in
1: Singapore. Hey, nice to meet yeah. you, Lizzie.
2: Hello. Um, am I allowed to call you Noxy or is that just too yeah. personal
1: off the cup? No, you can go for that off the cup. It's great. Hi Noxy. So. Nice to meet you. Good to meet you. Hey, do you know what we're doing? here?
2: Just about?
1: Yeah, that's good. So um um like I Do to Do you know what we're doing? <laughs> no, can you guys just talk and I'll go on mute? <laughs> so Shannon and I were thinking of doing this small series within the Imposterous based on conversations that she would have and lead, and I'll just sit back and listen to those um with people who you met Shannon in current during See It Bit. And we thought we'd call it saw it ammet, but we've decided that's a bit awkward, and maybe a bit loaded.
2: It comes to a lot of pressure, right?
1: Yeah. Um, that's that's the impression that I'm getting. But welcome to the imposters today. It's lovely to be here. Thank you.
0: Yes. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, I was chatting to Maria yesterday about how sore it and It feels like you can stop seeing it and trying to be it. <laughs> it also sounds a little bit painful to see now. <laughs> so we might kick off just by talking about, you know, when we did meet in Cairn in 2017, uh, it was this group of 15 women from all around the world who kind of were thrust together on the French Riviera, which was terrible (laughs) but no it was so lovely but everyone was like a little bit kind of nervous and wide-eyed and didn't really know what to expect and felt I I don't think I'd felt like that since high school (laughs) but then you were there and you just seemed to be like automatically at ease and you know cool with the situation and could see a kind of swagger coming through immediately so I'm wondering do you are you the right person for this podcast do you even ever feel the imposter
2: syndrome It was an amazing opportunity that we were thrown into and it was absolutely terrifying, to be quite honest. I may um, appear with a very big smile on my face most of the time, but do I feel like at any moment somebody might tap me on the shoulder and go, hold on, you're out. Like we've, we've noticed a couple of things. Is the imposter syndrome something I regularly talk about? No, but I definitely talk about getting it wrong and talk about how, you can always improve the sense of who you are and knowing a little bit about who you are definitely gives you a a bit of a better belief in what you can achieve or what you can do. So I would say from quite a young age, I've always known quite a lot about myself because I've had to explore that. Um, But no, I'm definitely not somebody that doesn't suffer from the imposter syndrome.
0: Yeah. Knowing yourself is a very good skill to have and one that not many people do have. (laughs) How did, how did you get to know yourself so well, so young? So from about 14, I came out
2: to my family um, as being gay. And it was a challenging situation to do that young. But it did give me um, a moment in time when I had to decide if it was the right thing that I wanted to be and if it was definitely me. And I was fortunate enough and lucky enough to be in a situation where uh, my family could hear that and they supported me. But what it meant is that it Actually, you have to make a decision quite young as to like, am I really that person? Like the rest of the world is going this way and I want to go that way. And um, there's a feeling of kind of you, you, you don't, we always laugh, like you don't choose to be gay, but actually you choose to tell the world you are. And I don't think I've ever looked back from that moment of being quite proud about kind of um, me. And the nice part that I think that gave me from quite a young age is a bit of understanding that I'm different. It gave me a chance to talk about who I was. It gave me a a small group of people that like knew just enough about my journey that they could identify with me. But it also gave me enough impetus to go, I don't ever really fit in and that's okay. Um, Now, I think ever since then, I've been on a bit of a journey trying to work out where I do belong. I think belong is a very interesting concept to try and pull apart. But since a young age, I've always kind of gone, hey, like, there's something about me that I know that nobody else does and I'm proud of it and I'm excited by it. And, like, it gives me that little bit more than other people who just haven't needed to explore who they are so young.
0: Yeah, obviously you learn how to share your story and how to kind of read your audience in a way but also connect with an audience and sharing your own story. And these days in the signature of your email, you sign off Lizzie, always story hunting. Can you tell us a bit about this this story hunting kind of USP you've given yourself?
2: Yeah, definitely. I'm obsessed with humans. So, you know, when people go through that whole conversation of, are you a dog person? Are you a cat person? Like I've got none of those. The animals don't fascinate me, but the humans do. We are all such complicated characters and we're so different. We've got so many different spaces we've been to and we've learned about and we've ignored. And so for a long time, I was my mission was to kind of go and see the world. And I always wanted to be a traveler and go and see it, but it it was never the far off places. It was the people that I was intrigued by. And that kind of, that typical phrase that you hear of like walking a day in somebody else's shoes, it wasn't even that. It was like wanting to get under the skin deeper of like, well, why are they wearing those shoes in the first place? And what are the next pair of shoes they dream about? And how do you like find those connections to different people? So story hunting was something that kind of a term coined, whether it's used or not, it's something that interests me. And there's that element that a lot of people can talk around of, do we all need personal brands or is that just one step too far? Have we completely commercialized their own worlds? But if you put story hunting to somebody, you go, oh, I'm a story hunter. It's outside of your job. It's outside of the things that they think they know about you. And they go, ah, oh, tell me more. Like, what is that? Why have you even got that phrase? Some people will ridicule you for it and others will go, oh, I'm intrigued.
0: Yeah, sure. I think as soon as people are given the opportunity to tell their story as well, so many would rise to that occasion and just to have, you know, someone who kind of leans in and shows that much interest. Because I think talking about yourself can be really vulnerable, as you might be feeling right now. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that vulnerability is such, a, you know, it fast tracks empathy and just creates connection so quickly. So do you think that, yeah, vulnerability and insecurity can be a good thing? 100%. How you
2: create spaces for other people to tell their stories, dream up their ideas, put themselves forward is a, a really interesting place to try and learn from. So we, I've always been around community building because it was the thing that I was always looking for. I wanted to know where my community was. I wanted to know where I belonged or existed and have spent some lovely time trying to give spaces to others to speak and to do. And often it's when you put yourself forward around the failure or the thing that didn't work that people go, oh, okay, I've had something similar or they then feel like there's a moment to share with the community she says that we set up in Singapore. It was very much around like, what's the the triple F like the triple female, uh, it was the female fuck ups that we were looking at. Sorry, mum, she hates when I say things like that but like, it was those things that we all tried to do and got really wrong. And that was the space that people could then go, oh, actually we're not all doing it perfectly. We don't always know the right way to do it. And if there's one thing, I'm like the constantly curious kind of person in the room. It's like, Hey, tell me that again. Or like, where did that take you? And why did you bump into that person that you know over there? And if, you, if you've got that sense of curiosity, your vulnerability probably gets higher because you're putting yourself into places that you just don't know the answers for.
0: Well, here's some curiosity for you. What are that, some of those female fuck-ups that <laughs> kept <laughs> on appearing? <the> <laughs> I think it was called Triple F because we called it Fabulous Female Fuck-ups. It's
2: often the bit that we don't talk about. We often have this very shiny brand that sits around us online that we put out to the world of all these things that we're doing. And it's quite nice to start uncovering the stuff that we've got wrong. We had some amazing different leaders that had kind of stood up on stage and sort of said when they put sort of pieces of work out lies that had gone wrong or when they'd made an incorrect hire. And there was all these sort of pieces. I think the one for me that I have started recently talking around of What was it, what it was like when I lost my job from Saatchi's, so uh, respected industry kind of space, like that was everything I wanted to be there. And it's taken me 10 years to be able to go, oh, that's a really devastating blow. And to start talking around it and being like showing to others that actually we don't always get it right and we do lose things that are really important to us, but actually the bounce back means that. From there, you do a little bit of introspection, you kind of look at what you really need. And turns out sport was the kind of the direction that I needed as a bit of a, a context to my story hunting, because the sport for me is the the connector that kind of puts us all in the same room at the same place at the same time.
0: Yeah, great. Which leads us very nicely into, <laughs> into talking about no second place. So you've been an executive creative director at Octagon for Years and years and years now. feel very old. Yeah. (laughs) April this year, Octagon um, launched a a specialist social impact agency called No Second Place that's centred around sport being a common ground for bringing people together and, you know, finding those stories and creating culture. Can you tell us a bit more about your role in the venture and what what you hope to see come out of No Second Place? Definitely.
2: No Second Place was born when kind of Ben Hartman, myself, and a couple of others started looking at what was happening with Black Lives Matter out of America. And we started seeing that actually when sports stopped, the world started to take a bit more notice. And when um, the amazing kind of taking a knee was a a really powerful gesture, everybody started to go, oh, hold on a second. Like, what is this movement that we need to all be aware of and be more um, cognizant around? So that was probably the catalyst for all of this. Working in sport for probably the last sort of six, seven years, sport's fun because it's the thing that like gets everybody to look in the same direction for a split second or that live moment when kind of like the CEO and the janitor are all wearing the same shirts and cheering their team on. But it can have some really big kind of people that play a role as activists or as like people that sort of stoke and push what society knows and values. Um, doing a piece of work with David Pocock, sort of four years ago with Dove was quite amazing to try and have somebody who's a big rugby player and his background talk about what it is to have soft moments and moments where kind of the introspection of the pressure that is to be a guy. So it's always been kind of a thing that we've been quite sort of big believers in that kind of sport can push different agendas and you can have different conversations around it that you just couldn't have in other contexts. So No Second Place began. It's uh, a fun one to kind of to have launched and to have started those conversations with brands that really do want to make a difference. And what we've done is we put a metric against that. We said we don't just want kind of briefs that tell you uh, that we need to talk around sport. We actually want to measure it by the difference you make in society. So it means that our projects are probably a little bit longer than most most brands kind of um, are out there talking about one subject matter, but actually we've been kind of hard and fast about we want to make a difference and that difference has got to have a
0: good impact on the, on the world. Yeah. Wow. Being involved from the ground up in a new venture must be kind of uh, like nerve wracking enough. But then when, when the goal is such a big one to try and achieve, were you nervous in kind of taking that leap or is there something that helped give you confidence to, to give it a shot? There was definitely nerves around putting something, um, that's quite
2: so personal out there. Um, Mm -hmm. Ben and myself have been really driving what no second place stands for. And there's a beautiful story that sits behind it. As you can imagine, I think the purposeful work has been spoken about for, for five, 10 years, this isn't anything new. So I think the part that we were probably most nervous about is just being like, Oh, it's another purpose agency. Mm -hmm. So that was probably where the nerves came in. Um, I think there's some really big gaps that can be filled by the work that we want to be made. So I'm not nervous about kind of putting ourselves to market. It's probably more about holding ourselves accountable to what we're calling kind of the correct measures.
0: Yeah, sure. And I know that there was someone in particular who helped to kind of like stoke your confidence <laughs> as well. A conversation that happened in Can was it? <laughs> 100%
2: i quite enjoy podcasts i quite enjoy talking to people i quite enjoy listening to people and through the can see it be it uh, they said oh you should be we would like a group of people to interview their mentor and i took the mentor word as something quite liberal open um it wasn't the person that i sat next to every day and learned from um i actually called up cindy Gallup and said see it be it they're trying to kind of push women to have more agency and more relevant and be a bigger part of our industry. Can I interview you in true Cindy Gallup style? She said, yes, of course you can. Um, and gave me some amazing sound bites to start this podcast off, through which my voice is trembling the entire time when I listen back to her. Um, the hilarious bit is halfway through this podcast, she then went, right, Lizzie, well, I've got some questions for you. What are you going to do that's going to change this industry? And to be put on the spot, I was very like thrown. So, um, it's very nice of the podcast editor to have erased quite how many, um, 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 <laughs> I think I said. But when somebody like Cindy asks you what you're going to do, you, you answer and you, you put yourself out there and go, do you know what? Actually, there's this idea we're kind of, trying to formulate. I think we'd had maybe one or two conversations about it, tops, if that. And Cindy pushed me and she pushed me and pushed me. Well, what's the name? Or well, how are you going to do it? Who's your first client? I mean, I said bananas. It was the most ridiculous interview. You should Nobody should ever go and listen to it because I was like, oh, bananas, they're the superpower of fruit. We should definitely have them as a client. I mean, at some point I'm going to knock on the banana guy's door and be like, hey, so... But if you're ridiculous enough, bold enough, brave enough to put yourself out there and interview them, then they should be able to throw it back at you. And you just have to kind of roll with the punches, I guess. So um, I have to thank Cindy Gallup a lot. She um, scared the answer out of me. Uh, Never looked back since. And I've definitely bought her lunch since to say thank you.
0: (laughs) I'm a little bit nervous that you're going to Cindy Gallop me in a second. (laughs) (laughs) We can make that happen. <laughs> um, but if, if you could be the Cindy Gallup in in giving advice to, to another woman or another person within the creative agency and kind of inspiring one of those faith-based leaps or, again, just stoking that fire to go out there and do something and make a change, would you have words of wisdom? What a massive question. Thanks, <laughs> The part that I would probably
2: look to is asking people, what's your story? Like, what's the bit that's inside you that nobody else has got? And how do you help yourself tell that story to the world? We're often quite surface level in a lot of the things we do, in the relationships we have, in the things that we think about, in the ideas that we put forward. But actually, a little bit of depth, a little bit of time and composure to kind of look at who you are and the actions you take and the reasons you have choices and what are your values and how do they come to fruition? Like it's really rich stuff and it's inside everybody. So the the fear that Cindy Gallup gave me, I would probably push on to somebody else and sort of say, it's not fear that you need to react to, but look at you and go really deep on who you are and what you stand for. And you'll be surprised the things that come to light.
1: Yeah, so I wanted to ask you this about honesty because where you started this was in a very honest place and just how important that is as a attribute because i would talk about the advertising industry and say that it's built on lies traditionally it's built on stuff that we might have made up that didn't really exist in a time where selling products was all it was about but you your conversation is very much about honesty and honest stories from people how how important is that to you as a as a as a thing
2: um, truth is a really fascinating one, honesty, truth, that space of like, looking for things and looking at them how they really are. Yes, having grown up in the world of advertising, when we kind of sold toilet paper to those that didn't, well, I hope everybody needs it. But there's definitely moments where the truth is stretched. I think in today's world, we're sitting much more in a space where truth is an incredibly powerful driver. And I actually look at often at like the Edelman Truth Barometer or whatever it's called, where we see we look at who in our worlds we believe and we trust. So is it the governments? Is it the businesses? And we're actually starting to identify that business needs to have a bigger point in our worlds that actually does drive honesty and um, respect for others it's a it's a massive part of who I am Um, I think we all know that we've got shades of who we are so are there days when I can't be as honest about a product or a thing that I'm selling Um, yeah sure but I think there's definitely got to be kind of boundaries of where we sit on it so the element of being able to be proud of who you are and what you're making, and what you're doing, I don't think our industry needs to be afraid of being commercialized. We, we are all commercial in the sense of what we do and how we go about it. And I think that's as an individual, as much as a business, honesty is quite high on my agenda.
1: Yeah. One of the things that the imposterous sets out to do, uh, I guess, based on the belief that we are most creative when we are confident like our, our confidence level, like a, we would talk about it in a sports analogy and say it's a confidence game. Do you think that honesty and truth plays into your confidence in, in yourself? Is that is that what allows you to kind of, I don't know, stand tall and say, I'm Lizzie, this is who I am and this is you know, how I feel today?
2: I think if you can be honest with yourself and know the days that you are able to stand up and say, I'm confident and I know who I am and where I'm going and the days when you take a bow out or you tell people you, you haven't got that in you today is important. I think also showing my team and the people around me how some days are hard and some days it's not easy to stand up and be confident in front of clients or confident about an idea that you've put on the table it means that with that rawness, with that space that you're allowing them to see you in a quite vulnerable position, they then have your back, which then just makes you bigger than just you. Um, and I think that's the part that a lot of us are looking for. We're looking for that that team that are going to huddle around us and look after us on the days when we haven't got it. And they're gonna have our backs twice as loud when we do have it.
1: Yeah, fantastic. Shane Crow, this um, this saw at Amit series is good. It's a good idea. Thanks very much for joining us, Lizzie, on the Imposterous today.
2: Thanks so much for having me. It's been a challenge to answer the questions, as it should be.
0: Can't wait to see the banana campaign. <laughs> I mean, I'm wearing it. I was—I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> it's a visual podcast.
1: It is Definitely. a good idea to to live any conversation you have with Cindy Gallup.
2: Thank you, both. It's lovely seeing Thanks. you. Thanks.
1: The Imposterous is produced by Andrew Stevenson at We Love Jam Studios, the best music and sound house in Australia. The theme music that you're listening to now was created by Hilton Moday of the same company. If you would like to catch up on the other episodes in this series or previous, visit theimposterous.com. For all other updates or to make contact, follow us on Instagram at the underscore